right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back for a solo edition of the podcast today. Um, we're going back on the Raw and Nitro timeline. I'm really wanting to focus more on this this year and get through as much as I can, mostly because I'm actually genuinely excited to watch 97, 98, 99, um, Raw mainly, but both shows, I guess. So I'm trying to refocus and get as much of this done as I can. And this is a bit of a weird week because Raw was um, was not on. I'm trying to think what the terminology was now, but um, it has left my brain. We, I, I believe it was the tennis, um, the reason why Raw wasn't on this particular week. So we went with the Nitro episode from August 26 and put it up against the ECW Hardcore TV from the next day, August 27. I actually watched the shows out of order. I watched ECW first, even though it aired the next day. So that's where we're going to head over and start with. Um, Let's go over and see what ECW has in store. Fingers crossed it's better than the last time we went to this well, where I, I genuinely didn't enjoy the show, despite being an ECW fan. ECW starts with Joey Styles in the ring and a cavalcade of the regular faces at ringside as well, which hits you right in the nostalgia feels if you are an ECW fan. He brings out RVD, who does the Sabu pose on his walkout. Um, It's right off the bat. I notice the sound quality is pretty poor here. Um, And RVD looks about 12 as well. A very, very young RVD. He... We get Doug Furness coming out to wrestle him after a bit of a promo. It's an arrogant RVD, but still finding his feet. I'll splice a bit of the audio in here and let you guys judge for yourselves where he's at promo-wise. I'm looking for you. Hey, shut up. Shut up. I got something to say. Were you rude? They tell me they got somebody to wrestle me tonight. Somebody who I've wrestled before. Somebody who has beaten me before. Now, I know it's not the franchise Shane Douglas because I've beaten him. And I know it's not too cold Scorpio. Why? Because I beat him. And everybody knows that when I wrestled Sabu, what happened? Exactly. I pinned him in the ring. So I wonder who this bad is that's coming out here to whoop my ass. Bring him on out. Let's see who you got. Then after this, we go to an open video package, which is a little bit weird, starting out with a promo and a guy coming out to accept the challenge before you go to the video. But ECW did things differently, so we're not going to be too harsh on that. From there, we go to RVD versus Doug Furness. They exchange strikes early. Doug Furness hits a pretty big German suplex before RVD comes back with a super kick and a springboard crossbody for a two count. He then... Um, Doug Furness tosses RVD over the top rope, shoulder blocks him 
over the uh, off the apron, sorry, over the barricade into the third row, which was a huge spot. The cr- we get a bit of crowd brawling. RVD hits the apron leg drop with the assist of a chair, a top rope um, leg drop for a two count before Doug Furness comes back with a nice overhead belly to belly suplex. He gets a two count and then hits a power slam, which also brings him a two count before hitting a top rope clothesline. RVD goes low with the chair, but botches a top rope crossbody, gets a two, before Doug Furness hits a really dangerous looking tombstone on a chair. This was my dick move of the week, actually. I really didn't like it. He didn't have him in position and he dropped him anyway. That could have done some serious damage, not just the fake sympathy damage that Hogan claimed Undertaker did to him at the 91 Survivor Series. They they, um, exchange some chair shots back and forth. The referee gets in the way of one, though, and this allows RVD to hit the Van Daminator for the one, two, and three. Um, This match, I actually jumped online and and wanted to read what people thought about this match because I don't know that my opinion is going to be the popular one if you watch this, but I didn't enjoy this. Now, let me preface that by saying there were some great moves, but the wrestling was dangerous and sloppy, the selling was poor, and it just didn't have, like, the ebb and flow that I like in a wrestling match, despite having tons and tons of high spots. Online, it seemed to get better reviews than I gave it, but that's just my opinion. If you have watched this match or know the one I'm talking about, please feel free to tell me I'm wrong or agree with me if you do. Totally up to you. They go for a handshake after the match, but Doug Furness clotheslines RVD out of this and then hits a flipping German suplex, which RVD then makes a stretcher job for. It's just weird that he got shoulder blocked from the apron over the barricade into the third row, but a German suplex is enough to stretcher him off. And this is probably part of why I didn't love the match, because that to me just doesn't make sense. Like, he took way more impactful, bigger moves in the match and got up and wrestled on with hardly any selling, but this suplex puts him on a stretcher. Um, again, just my opinion, but I think there were good parts to this, but I didn't love it. Joey Styles then runs down the RVD-Sabu feud, then the Raven-Sandman feud, and we see Raven with a broken foot, but uh, wins the belt in a bit of a schmoz. It involved Missy Hyatt, um, the Sandman's wife, Stevie Richards, etc., We then go to a segment, Extreme Encyclopedia defines Tommy Dreamer and then Taz. Um, It just was a little bit weird. They fight next week, but this was a bit cheesy for ECW, in my opinion. We then go to Johnny Smith versus versus Louis Spicoli. Got to be honest, I didn't know who Johnny Smith was. He looks like the sort of long lost... (laughs) He looks like the, the long lost British Bulldog in his outfit and the way he looks. We get some chain wrestling and then a Louis Spicoli backdrop out of the ring. They brawl along the outside. Spicoli works over the knee, hits a German suplex for a two, and um, Johnny Smith hits a missile drop kick, then a power slam for a two. Spicoli comes back with a spine buster for a two and a Northern Lights for a two. Smith hits a nice top rope elbow for a two before Spicoli gets a two on a backslide. We then get a Johnny Smith Tiger Bomb for the one, two, three, and they do shake hands. This was the first we saw, I think, of both guys in ECW. Certainly, they were both very early. I'm not sure if they'd had one match or not. Um, but I, the flip to the previous match, I really loved this one. It was surprisingly good. Um, I know of Louis Spicoli. I'd never heard of Johnny Smith, but I really enjoyed this. And they do shake hands at the end without the stretcher job that happened in the first match. 
We then go to the FBI, um, Guido and JT Smith, at the statue of Rocky Balboa, and I was like, hold on, what the fuck's going on here? I've been to the statue of Rocky Balboa, and that's not where it was when I went. It was at the Philadelphia Spectrum for this video, but I saw it at the Museum of Art in Philadelphia, so... <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I did a bit of Googling, and I, I think it bounced backwards and forwards a couple of times, actually. But, um, yeah, interesting tidbit. I have photos um, with myself and the statue of Rocky, and it definitely wasn't out front of an, an arena. We then go to a promo, um, Taz and Fonzie. Good Taz promo that I'll splice in here for you guys to listen to. Gentlemen, no, there's no ladies and gents in ECW. No, to the fans, Bill Alfonso standing here with the greatest in the world, undefeated shoot fight, undefeated wrestling, I'm his own official, Taz! Hey Dreamer, you think I sweat you? I think not. Hey Sabu, you know I don't sweat you. I'm begging you, I can taste you. Bring it on. And then, Dr. Death Steve Williams. Hey, Doc, come get your receipts. Come get it, Doc. I don't sweat you neither. They thought I sweat you, but I don't. You see, the only thing I sweat is a reflection in the mirror. And we finish with a bit of a um, rapid fire of promos. We get Tommy Dreamer, the Dudleys, the FBI. Um, we get... Oh, sorry, um, the Dudleys before Devon and Bubba Ray had actually formed. Um, and we get promos for a Backyard Rumble. So, a bit of an overall mixed bag of an episode here. These ECW shows are quite short. There's not a lot to them. But um, one match that I think a lot of people loved and I didn't. And one match that I'd never heard of but I genuinely enjoyed. So, not bad overall. Um, definitely a fair way better than last time we brought Hardcore TV into the mix. For halftime today, I'm actually going to tell you about one of my newest acquisitions, um, which is a bit of an out there one. I yesterday received in the mail, finally, after the second time I've tried to buy this, the NECA Simpsons Brett Hitman Heart figure. I have no idea why I bought this. I don't collect Simpsons figures. I obviously do collect wrestling figures, but this doesn't fit in with any of them. But it's just something that I've wanted, excuse me, for quite a long time, and I just had to have it. So... Got that in the mail yesterday, haven't opened it yet because we're moving house this week, so not sure whereabouts in the display it's going to go, but very happy to own that piece. Does anybody else out there have that figure? Alright, so we're at Nitro now, and the commentary team to start with, as always, is Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco, and we open up with a match I was really excited to see, Hoovy versus a very young Billy Kidman. They're in the ring to open no entrances, which is not a good sign, but I will, um, I'll wait to see what pans out before I judge too hard. Kidman hits a nice power slam for a two and the cactus cross body over the top. We get a Hoovy powerbomb on the floor and then a springboard leg drop on the floor, which is pretty cool. A springboard corkscrew splash to the outside. Kidman hits a powerbomb for a two and a slingshot leg drop for a two. We get the shooting star press, and it only picks up a two um, before it was his finisher. And then Hoovy finishes the matchup with a top rope Hurricane Rana. I enjoyed this more than the RVD Doug Furness match, and I've never heard anyone rave about this one. So 
interesting one there. The selling wasn't great, but the moves were a lot slicker, and there wasn't like the um, you know the tombstone on the chair as a transition, for example. The one criticism I'm having going back and watching the cruiserweight division in WCW is just how many matches finish with a Hurricane Rana of some description. Um, I actually can't wait till Kidman's finishing people off with a shooting star press, and these guys have got really clearly defined finishes. Um, definitely Ray's very guilty of it. Some version of a Rana ends it. But when you see three or four Ranas in the match beforehand, it just it falls a little flat for me. Gene comes in the ring and tries to interview Hoovy, but it's not great. It's a half Spanish, half English promo, and he does get booed. So they probably won't go back to him for a few weeks. We get a new Glacier ad, which is quite cool. And then we see Teddy Long um, with Riggs, who is injured, before we go to Buff Bagwell and Jim Powers taking on Kevin Sullivan and Bubba with Jimmy Hart. We had a little video package on Kevin Sullivan. It's quite lame. Um, I think we're well past the point of him being a credible heel now in 96. Jim Powers with a nice backdrop and a drop kick. We get a four-man brawl before Bubba comes in and hits a big power bomb. A Tree of Woe-like move that we saw highlighted in the video package. Um, Jim Powers then comes back with a knee lift and a crossbody for a three. But Nick Patrick says no, a bit of confusion on the count, allowing Bubba to hit the boss man slam for a three. There is a bit of controversy here that Nick Patrick basically cheated. Teddy Long, of course, argues that with him. Gene then comes out with the Dungeon of Doom, uh, comes out to interview the Dungeon of Doom, and they call out Glacier, which really threw me for six. Restart the match, but the young men were looking the other way. And thus, winners, Big Bubba, the Taskmaster, both in the ring now with Gene Okerlund. Johnny Savani, I thank you very much. Jimmy Hart here. Very fortunate you're still intact, along with Big Bubba and the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. I don't know. You got by by the skin of your teeth in that one. Another victory for the Dungeon of Doom. Plain and simple fact. That shows the power of Big Bubba Rogers. I should be getting all the title shots. I should be at all the main events. I'm not going to be overlooked anymore starting tonight. And oh, by the way, what about this Glacier character? I keep seeing promos saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. What if you're coming? Come on, baby. I'll let you have a little bit of this. Yeah, Jimmy Hart. You know, Bubba, don't worry about it. Because you see, Glacier's got this little interview that said blood runs cold. Glacier, when you get here to the WCW, the only thing that's going to be running is going to be you. All right, Kevin Sullivan. You know, I'm going to turn the tables. A year and a half ago, if everybody listened to me about Hogan, this problem would be going on. I could ask you something, Gene. I saw you out in a boat in Sarasota with Hogan a week ago. That wasn't me. That was Eric Bischoff. I know Eric Bischoff, and you all know Eric Bischoff. Did the guy have hair? Yeah, the guy had a bald head. It was you. The other thing is, the four horsemen, this needs to be addressed. You know, they got a Wolverine that's been going around saying he's been beating me up. It ain't my neighbors that are talking about it. If you get my drift. I got it. Well, let me tell you something. If the, if the horsemen think they're the last line of defense against Hogan and the NWO, they got something else coming. Kevin Sullivan, before you run away, have you been greasing the palm of Nick Patrick? First of all, everybody's entitled to a mistake, even you hanging around with Hogan. 
I'll um, splice a promo in so you can hear. Like, they seem to, you know, take exception to the fact that his ad keeps running. And so do I, but that's just because I want him to debut. We go to commercial, and when we come back, it's Gene with um, Sting and Lex Luger. They'll be taking on the Four Horsemen's Mongo and Benoit later in the show. We then go to Mike Enos versus Chavo Guerrero. Chavo Guerrero is too quick for him early. Very cat and mouse affair before drop kicking him out. Mike Enos, however, catches Chavo on a plancha and hits the sack of shit slam on the floor. Dirty Dick comes out. Um, I've put here, call the cops. And I was like, who called the cops? And I've just realized why I wrote it. I've put the dirty dick out, call the cops. I am a juvenile. So apologies for losing my train of thought there. A pretty slow beat down from Enos. Um, probably why I started writing lame jokes. Um, we get a power bomb, but lands on his own leg. And this, uh, me sells and Chavo locks on a figure four. Referee gets his eye poked, though, and Dick Slater somehow plays twin magic, I guess because he's, the referee's hurt his eye, comes in and hits an elbow. Um, <laughs> the, the fact that um, Dirty Dick has long hair and Enos didn't apparently fool the referee anyway, but Chavo Guerrero rolls him up for the one, two, three in a ridiculous ending. Um, I really struggled to even read my own notes around that, so apologies again. Gene interviews Chavo. He's getting, getting our money's worth out of Gene Oakland on this show. He calls out DDP, and then we, we see Gene and Bobby the Brain Heenan in an ad for WCW t-shirt. So yeah, um, if you're a fan of Mean Gene, this is definitely the show for you. We go to our next match, and it's Mr. JL versus Rey Mysterio. Rey calls out Dean Malenko into the camera on his entrance. We get some chain wrestling, but then we cut outdoors immediately to the NWO spray painting the video truck. This is one of their lamer bits of sabotage. We cut back in for two seconds and then right back out again to see more spray paint. Really riveting stuff. We come back and Ray's just locked on a camel clutch as we go to a commercial. I just think, here, why couldn't we cut out during the Dungeon of Doom match or the Mikey Enos match? But sure, let's cut out on Jerry Lynn versus Ray. We had a springboard dropkick from Ray. The 619, which isn't a move, but just a dodge at this point in time. And then a plancher. Dean Malenko comes out and watches from the ramp. The pace picks up now that we're back live. Um, and then suddenly we go back to chain wrestling, which was just a weird sort of break in the action. JL hits a backbreaker and a sit-out powerbomb for a two. He then locks on a Boston Crab as we go to the one-minute countdown on screen, and we go outside to watch fireworks, ignoring the match yet again. Bobby Heenan and Eric Bischoff tag into commentary as Ray hits a runner on the floor. I noticed at this point while they're fighting on the floor that the Cruiserweight title is just sat in the corner of the ring. Like, didn't even get put away. Talk about not treating your title with any prestige whatsoever. Um, the match itself got no respect either. <laughs> and Ray finishes it off with a Hurricane Rana. See my complaints earlier in the show for, for my thoughts on the finish. But this match, I was so, so disappointed in. I thought it was going to be an absolute banger. And WCW production didn't give a shit. So that's what we got. We then go backstage to Gene with the four horsemen, um, well, at least Benoit, Mongo, and the girls. Mongo's a much better promo than Chris Benoit at this point in time, so make of that what you will. We get a recap on the Macho Man attacks on Hulk Hogan and the Giant and their attacks on him. Gene's then with the Macho Man, who has a match with Hulk Hogan coming up for the title. I'll splice in Macho because there's not really been anything of note to splice in during the show, and everybody loves to hear a bit of Macho Man. Eric Bischoff, I thank you very much. We should point out for the record, as I was taking a look, and of course you were watching at home to that footage from recent uh, 
uh, nitros. This man was also taking a look at a monitor. Come on in, Macho Man Randy Savage. Let's lay it out for the record. You are signed for October the 27th in Las Vegas, Nevada at the MGM Grand to face Hulk Hogan, a very controversial figure, Hollywood Hogan, the man that did you in for the WCW heavyweight crown. I want to clarify that. I'm quiet, but deadly right now. Yeah, I got the title shot. Yeah, Halloween Havoc is going to be Monday. I deserve it, yeah! Let me tell you something, Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. It's for all the marbles! And I might only have one marble left in my head, but I'll guarantee you it's going to be the scariest match of the century! Because I'm going to take you apart piece by piece what's ever left after war games. Because nobody cares. I don't care! You don't care! Nobody cares! So let it happen! I do care. I, I really do. I don't care if you care. I'm in the zone, buddy. Very quickly, let's let's go back. You've got you've got something before Hulk Hogan, and that is that fall brawl. You've got the giant, the man we just saw. I'm gonna blow through the giant. That's it. All right, the Randy Savage. Do you have an extra chair? We then go to our next match, which is Jim Duggan versus a giant. They brawl along the outside before Giant locks in a bear hug. Then we see Ted DiBiase come through the crowd, sits in the front row. Jim Duggan goes through his trusty tape. Fuck, I hate that gimmick. But Giant shakes it off. Jimmy Hart distracts the referee, and or distracts Jim Duggan, sorry, and that allows the Giant to lock in the chokeslam for the one, two, three. We go to the crowd where Ted DiBiase is sat, and he raises his fingers slowly. One, two, three, four. Then when he gets to the fourth finger, he mouths next week and lifts the fifth finger. Or the thumb, I guess. <laughs> The commentary team pretty much straight away speculate that, is DiBiase the fifth horseman? Is he the fifth horseman? But I immediately thought, no, like I'm the fourth member of the NWO because he paused on four. Then he said next week, fine. So they do eventually like mention that briefly, that that could be what it means, but they sort of then dismiss it and go back to he's the fifth horseman. But like the horsemen are on this show. He could just join them if he was the fifth horseman. It makes no sense, but yeah, I guess they're trying to build the suspense even though it fell a bit flat with me. Jeans then with the giant and Jimmy Hart. They cut a promo on Macho Man and we get a commercial for Fall Brawl, the war games. We then go to our main event, which is a Rock and Roll Express. Oh, sorry, it's not our main event. It's just the end of my page. What a dickhead. We then go to the Rock and Roll Express versus Arn and Ric Flair. Um, and I'll never understand. I say this every time. In what year were the Rock and Roll Express attractive? Because fuck, they are ugly old men. Um, we get a Ricky Morton hip toss and a double clothesline and double drop kick before the heels take over and they do some double teaming of their own. Ric Flair has that huge cyst on the back at the moment, which is quite distracting. It's a bit gross. We get a four-man brawl, and this allows Arn to sneak in and hit a DDT, and Ric Flair picks up the one, two, three. Gene then comes in with the four horsemen, but doesn't ask them about Ted DiBiase. Now, if we genuinely thought he was a fifth horseman, wouldn't it be pretty easy just to say, Rick, hey, is Ted with you? But no, we don't do that. We got another Glacier commercial because we love those. And then we go to Chris Jericho versus Alex Wright. Both of these guys are relative newcomers right now. Alex Wright hits a cool head scissor takeover. They go into a quick exchange, which ends with Jericho hitting a Northern Lights and a spring, uh, sorry, spinning kick and then a springboard drop kick. Alex Wright hits a drop kick and a heel kick, a top rope crossbody for a two. Um, 
as they go to the floor, I see a kid in the front row wearing the original Shacknosis Reebok. So for all you sneakerheads out there, good spot in the crowd. Alex Wright, um, as a the reason why I notice this is because Alex Wright flies to the outside but hits his head on the guardrail. Um, it would be a count out, but Chris Jericho stops the referee and asks for a no contest instead because he doesn't want to win that way. Very strange. Gene comes out to interview them. Jericho cuts a bland babyface promo, but he does have charisma. However, Alex Wright goes to talk and Gene tells him we have no time. I'll splice that in for everybody to get a chuckle here. Your first appearance at World Championship Wrestling, and it was a breath of fresh air. Me, Gene, when I came to World Championship Wrestling, I came here to fight to the best of my ability and to accept a victory over this man like that is not the best of my ability. I have a lot of respect for Alex Wright and I wasn't going to take him out like that. But there is somebody who might have taken a victory like that, someone I used to admire, and that would be Hulk Hogan and the rest of the NWO. And I tell you that me and Alex are going to fight with all our hearts for WCW! Thank you very much. Uh, uh, we are out of time, Alex. Maybe you can just get back to the locker room and, and try to get your wits together. We've got more in Nitro when we come back here on TNT. Up until the ending, though, the match was quite good, so um, worth a watch. We then go to the Steiners taking on the Blue Bloods, which is Bobby Eaton and Dave Taylor. Neither of the Blue Bloods want to start with Rick Steiner here. When we do eventually get one of them in, Rick Steiner hits a hip toss, a power slam, and a belly-to-belly. The heels eventually do take control for a little while, um, but they go for the Doomsday device, and Rick Steiner catches, um, I think it was Eaton coming off the top rope, into a belly-to-belly suplex. He actually lands on his own head, Steiner, which is gross, but he picks up the one, two, three, and I noticed Scott Steiner didn't actually get into the match at all, which was a bit strange. The Blue Bloods then explode before our eyes as Gene is with the Steiners. This was overall not a great match or a great segment, and we go out to a commercial break. Now we go to our main event, not just the end of my page, and it's Lex Luger and Sting taking on Benoit and Mongo. We start with a bit of a four-man brawl before Benoit hits a clothesline and Mongo a backbreaker. Lex gets a hot tag to Sting pretty early, who comes in with a face buster, but Hulk Hogan comes out. Macho Man, however, sorry, Mongo. Mongo jumps out the ring and backs him off, but Scott Hall jumps and we get an NWO attack. They lay out all four and spray paint on them, but Arn and Rick come out and they get the upper hand for a little while before the NWO overwhelm them um, by spraying paint in both their eyes. They actually spray Rick Flair's blonde hair black, which is a good touch, and garbage starts to fly in the ring. They then take over the announce desk and the show goes off the air in chaos, which was a really good ending. I thought the NWO, NWO stuff before this was a little lame, but the finish had that good chaotic feel that has made the angle a success thus far. Now we get down to business and have to pick ourselves a winner. Um, I'm going to start off pretty quickly and say production values easily. WCW, there's a new contest there. Um, for storyline advancement, it's a tough one. I'm probably going to go a tie, actually. I thought the WCW storylines were more interesting, but ECW, in a shorter period of time, did manage to give a good span of what their storylines were doing right now. For Crowd Heat, definitely going to go with um, WCW because it had a bigger crowd and better audio. 
characters, um, I'm going to go with WCW again. ECW fell victim of only having two matches on their show and utilizing new characters in one of them. And then match quality. Again, I'm going to go with WCW. Even though ECW, one match was considered a bit of a classic and the other one I genuinely enjoyed. I think WCW had more time and more polished wrestlers to do something with here. So overall, Nitro still wins, but ECW was watchable this time. And I would actually do this again, which was not the case a couple, you know, back in 95, I think, when we did it last. That will do it for the show. Just a short, quick one to keep the show ticking over um, and stay on point. Try and keep up with a bit better schedule this time around. Apologies for all the delays, but I think we're, we um, are finally getting back into some rhythm now. Be back at you with Richie very soon because we've got that coming up and also Raw versus TNA in the very near future as well. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with the show, um, reach out to me on Twitter. Always happy to interact on there. And thank you everyone for listening once again.